All right, turn to Psalm 13 if you would. And if you would read along with me as I read through this Psalm of King David. David, David writes, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. These opening verses, particularly these first two verses, give, give expression to the way life can often come at us and how alone we can feel in the difficulties and the sufferings and the trials that we face in life. Tremper Longman, uh, in his commentary on Psalms, says, As we read the Psalms, we are entering into the sanctuary, the place where God meets men and women in a special way. They were composed in response to some life situation. When the psalmist experienced God's love and salvation in his life, he sang with hymns of joy, and when he experienced hardship, he composed a lament. When God answered his petition, he thanked God. The psalms are, they're a conversation between God and us, and that conversation is very much, when we read the psalms, it is direct, it is intense, it is intimate, it is always honest. Ralph Dale Davis, in his commentary on this psalm, particularly Psalm 13, said, how glad we should be to have, have worn and tear-stained pages as a stated part of this prayer book of the Bible. These are, this psalm is one of worn and tear-stained words of a man who is facing, has been walking through the difficulties of life. This is a man who is weary. He is weary of trouble. He's weary of life. He is weary of the world that he lives in. Uh, it, it, is, it is the world we live in. I mean, you think about our lives. Um, we're, we're weary a lot. We're, we're, we're weary far more than we are filled with strength and vigor. We, we just, life, life is hard. If somebody tells you differently, then they're not living in the world. They're, they're living in, in a box somewhere. Life, life is hard because this world, this world was broken. This world was ravaged by sin. This world began to come apart in the garden when Adam and Eve rejected and rebelled against God's word. This, this world 
became covered in, in the sin of mankind. And because of that, this world groans daily against the, the difficulties and the pain and the consequences of sin because they're all falling under the judgment of God. And, and that, that's a burden. That's a weight upon my shoulders. It's a weight upon your shoulders. And that weight, if that weight makes you weary. That weight makes you tired. And, and that's what David is, is declaring here. This is a psalm of lament. It's a psalm filled with sorrow. It's a psalm filled with disorientation. It's a psalm filled with pain and distress and angers. And most importantly, a psalm filled with feelings of abandonment. God is nowhere to be found. Now, what's, what's interesting about this psalm is that there's no historical detail, none whatsoever that explains why David feels this way, which is actually very good because it allows us to dive into this psalm in our own lives. It, it gives us an opportunity to identify with David. It gives us an opportunity to look to God the way David looks to God. We don't read this psalm and say, oh, well, yeah, I, I, I don't have enemies with spears hanging outside my door, so I, it's hard to identify with that. No, no, no. David is, David is just giving general details, and it helps us to identify. He doesn't tell us why he's in such despair or why he feels so abandoned, but I'm glad he doesn't. Now, the repetition of the first two verses show us that David, David is feeling as though life is completely out of control. Look at this, four times. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long Shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? David feels his life is out of control because of this. God is nowhere to be found. He is disappeared and nothing in life now makes sense because I cannot, I cannot find God in the midst of my weariness and my struggles and my problem. Where, where is God? And I don't know if, I, I, I would venture to say every person in this room has felt that way at some point. Where is God? whether it's because of my own sin or because of the sins of others or because of just the groaning of this world or just the light. Where has God gone? David, David is saying, my world is out of order because of God. You see, God is the problem here. David is saying, he has let life around me fall apart and it has been going on for so long, I don't think I can hang on anymore. But 
thankfully, this psalm provides a guideline for us too. It provides a guideline for us how we can express our true emotions to God without crossing to a place where we give up on him, but we hold on to him by faith. This is actually a psalm of faith. This is a psalm filled with faith. You may not see it in these first two verses, but but these first two verses are actually filled with faith. And I'll, I'll explain that in a moment. Now, this, this psalm is timeless. It, it fits easily into any circumstance we find ourselves in. It's a psalm that, that helps us hold on to God by faith, even when we feel abandoned. Uh, it's a psalm that, that is there for us. It's a psalm to help us persevere. And so three, three main points this morning. The first one is the weariness faith knows. The weariness faith knows. The weariness faith knows. Now, David, David is, in a sense, in, in, in lots of trouble here. Um, God has, it seems like God has hidden his face. It seems like his, his soul is filled with sorrow all day long. And it seems as though his enemy is exalted over him. It's triple trouble for David. David is facing a a bundle of this, absence of God, anxiety of soul, and the supremacy, supremacy of his enemies. Four times in these very emotionally charged verses, he asks the same question. How long, O Lord? How long? My patience, David says, it's just, it's reached its limit. It can't go on. It's... Is this what the rest of my life is going to look like? And his anguish of heart and his desire for deliverance, he's just reached the breaking point. Verse 1, how long will, will you forget me forever? The pain, here's the thing, the pain, the pain of trial is, is not often the acute nature of the trial, but it's the prolonged nature of the trial. It's not the acute nature. We, we, we often rise up to the occasion. I mean, it, it, life can be painful. Physical ailments can be painful. Emotional losses can be very painful. Uh, but but it's, the, it's the prolonged nature that, that wears us out, that makes us weary. That, that's the weariness our faith knows. Andrew Fuller in his commentary said, it is not under the sharpest, but the longest trials that we are in most danger of fainting. It's not under the sharpest trials, but the longest trials where we are in most danger of fainting. Why does God wait so long? Have I really been forgotten? Remember the, the, the disciples when they are out on the lake and, and they were painfully making, trying to make headway against the wind. And then it says, and it wasn't until the fourth watch that Jesus came to them. (laughs) And it feels like that's us. We are painfully making headway into the wind against this, that is against us in this world. And it seems like Jesus has not yet come. And we're wondering when the fourth watch is going to show up. And, and we feel like we're, we are forgotten. 
How long, O Lord, will you forget me? But David, David just piles on. Right? This is, this is, I appreciate David's honesty to the Lord. He piles on, Lord, not only how long have you forgotten me, but how long will you hide your face from me? So, so God just, it's not just God, oh, yeah, where, where, where's David? Where, where did David go? I, 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 I knew I had him somewhere. No, no, no. no. Now David's saying, listen, God, you not only forgot me, you actively are hiding your face from me. Now imagine that. Married couples will know this, that sometimes when you have a conflict, you, you are tempted or you do, you, you distance yourself from one another. You kind of just, just, you pass by each other without a word. And the vibes are very clear. And you, you ask your spouse, what's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> oh. oh, everything's wrong. And, and that distance, and, and, what, and what you do in that moment is you act like that person does not exist. That's your way of punishing them. And that's what it can feel like here. And so David says, how long will you hide your face from me? Are you, are you really actively turning away from me? And is that true? Does God, does God really hide his face from us? Well, the, David's comments are not reality. Now, now, Say this, God does sometimes hide behind a frowning providence. And that's hard. This is, this is not the kind of providence that I would expect of God. But he does, he does, and he's got, he's got a purpose. He's got, he's got a sovereign wisdom that is beyond our ability to understand. But it's for our good, and it's for his glory. And he works these things so that we, we will be more fashioned into the image of Jesus Christ, that his name would be glorified. Listen, God, God in his sovereignty assures us that he assures us that he is never, never allowing things to get out of control. He doesn't. And so, so when David says, have you hidden your face from me? No, no. In fact, it, it, it's, and because it's a terrible feeling when we feel like that. But, but remember number 6, 24 through 26. It's a benediction that I frequently read on Sunday. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. It's the face of God that, that gives us peace. It's hard, it's hard to feel like God has hidden his face. And David goes on. He goes on. Not, not only now, Lord, have, have you hidden your face? Have you forgotten me? But how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? In other words, and this is one of the more difficult parts of David's trial. He's, he's consumed. He's consumed with this problem that he's having. He's consumed with this experience that he's going through and God is not there. And so what does David do? He's taking counsel in his soul. He's working out the solution in his mind. He's trying to come up with all the possible solutions. He's consumed by this problem. And, and the problem is, is that he never has an answer. 
They all come to dead ends because they're not God's way. He's trying to move through a trial faster than God is allowing him to. He's trying to, to rid himself of the weariness that he's experienced. But, but sometimes God has us weary. His counsel to himself is of no help. Listen, most of the time, the counsel I give to myself in the midst of pain and trial simply stinks. It's, it's just bad counsel. A number of many years ago, I counseled a young couple who had convinced themselves to purchase a new TV because they were depressed about their finances. That, that was their solution. They, that was what they came up with. And in those moments, this, David is, is not saying, listen, I, I, I took counsel in my, in my, in my heart um, to help me. No, no, it didn't help him. And then he goes on to say, because I have sorrow in my heart all the day. It got him nowhere. And then he finally says, he says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? To make matters even worse, David feels, in a sense, the mocking and gloating of his enemy. And we, we feel the same. We, we feel the same because we have an enemy. We have a, an enemy who's the accuser of the brethren, who accuses us day and night, who, who spews out lies to us in the midst of our, tri- in the midst of our trials and condemns us. Oh, well, that trial you're going through, that's your own fault. That's the, that's the consequences of your bad decisions. What kind of Christian are you? You know what? You, you sinned. That's, that's why you're going through this trial. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know what? You know, actually, God has forgotten you. Let me, let, me make, let me just affirm that to you. God has forgotten you. And we feel the enemy just lying, talking to us. David not only believes God has abandoned him, God, he believes God has allowed his enemy to overcome him. Now, we don't have enemies like David did, but, but we do have enemies. We have enemies that we face every day. We have our own sin that we battle. We have sickness that we struggle with. We have pain. We have suffering. We have those who persecute us for our faith. We have those who mock us and ridicule us for our faith. We battle fear. And, and ultimately, we, we, have, we have a spiritual warfare going on, the accuser of the brethren. And so we do have enemies, and we feel that they can mock us. And so four times, David asks, how much longer will this kind of life go on? Because he's struggling with God's timing, and he's wrestling with God's delay, and it's simply wearing his faith out. It's the weariness of faith. Ralph Dale Davis in his commentary says this. It says, it's one matter to wade through crud and darkness and anxiety and mockery. But when you never seem to come out on the other end, when you seem to be marooned in the thick of the mess and hanging on by your fingernails and days pass and nothing changes and God doesn't meet your last conceivable deadline before you cave in, what then? How much longer? The danger is not that we will blow out, but wear out. So David, in these two verses... 
he's just, he's just beside himself. But he turns the corner. Take note of the place of prayer in this psalm. It, verse 3, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. That's his David's turning point. And that is, it's number two, point number two, the strength faith finds. The strength faith finds. David doesn't stop praying in a prolonged trial. His prayer is simple. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. David pleads for God. And then he... To, to, to look upon him and, and shine his face upon him once more. And even though it, it seems senseless and his feelings say that God is not speaking to him, that God's not even around, that God is hiding his face, that God has forgotten him, truth tells him something different. Faith tells him something different. See, this is where even in the midst of this most ri- just heart-wrenching psalm, David expresses faith because he still prays. Even the words, how long will you forget me, are, are prayers. If there was no God, he would not say those things. So even in the midst of feeling abandoned and feeling forgotten, David is still expressing faith and it strengthens him. These, these opening two verses actually strengthen David to pray, consider, and answer me. Because David has expressed his emotion. So we get frustrated. I get frustrated when, when God is silent and it seems senseless to me to keep praying when I'm sure he's not listening. There are times I've prayed and I'm convinced that my my prayers didn't even make it to the ceiling, much less to God. And so the the temptation is to think, well, why bother? Why, Why bother? But faith does not always make sense. It's in these moments when we keep praying to a God who seems not to listen and to plead with him to pay attention when we think he's hiding his face Because our faith tells us he is there. And we know he hears. David's faith in God is not destroyed by his trials because he knows who God is. He's he's known God always. He's known God's faithfulness. He's known God's goodness. He's known God's forgiveness. He's known God's love. He has known who God is. God has been by David's side time and time again. God has been with David and his faith. David's faith is resting in God's character, not in God's response. And that's where our faith rests. That's what strengthens our faith is that we rest it in God's character, not in his response. That's where where our faith finds strength. We find it in the character of God. When all of David's senses tell him that God is absent, his faith instinctively carries him forward. Even even in the despair of verses 1 and 2, David cannot, nor can we, can we, 
because of our faith, abandon God. We, we stand fast. Maybe like David, you've been praying. You pray and pray, and it seems that God is not paying attention. He's hidden his face from you. You plead and you cry, and there is no relief. There is no answer. So what do you do? You go right on praying. To whom do you pray? Ah, to the very God who seems to have not heard you. Is there any other place to go? It might be lousy logic, but it's excellent faith. And then David, David goes on, he says, listen, God, not only consider and answer me, but light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David says, listen, light up my eyes, lest all these things happen to me, lest I, lest I just die in my weariness and in my despair, lest I, I have my enemy prevail over me, lest my foes celebrate that I am dead Oh God, light, light up my eyes. Now we've all, heard, we've all heard the expression, you know, oh, his eyes lit up when he saw this. It's as though a surge of energy comes in us when we see something that makes our eyes light up. And that's what David is saying. Oh God, surge your, surge your, your power through me. Let me light up my eyes that I might see you. Not the answer, but that I might see you. The one who is glorious and majestic and holy and mighty and good. Let me see you. The one who has never, never left me in my life, although I felt that way. Let me see you. David asked for fresh strength and energy to face the assault and troubles he's enduring. Oh, what? That's a great prayer. Light up my eyes. Light up my eyes, Lord, lest my enemies prevail. Lord, David pleads, do you want my enemies prevailing over me? That's, that's what he's asking. And of course, God doesn't. And he won't. But, but what happens when we don't have our prayers answered? What, what happens when, when God does not seem to intervene? What happens when we see cancer win? When we see a marriage fail? When we see a child go astray? When we experience an employer persecuting us for our faith in Christ? Or our neighbor ridiculing us because we stand for the gospel? What happens when it seems that our, our suffering continues until our death? that the disease we're, we're struggling with or the chronic illness that we're facing or the family relational breakdown that we've gone through continues until the day we die. Does that mean that God has allowed our enemies to prevail over us? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because, my friends, those enemies are temporal. They are not eternal. They are temporal. Our ultimate enemies 
Satan, sin, and death have been defeated at the cross. The cross took all that and put that to death. And that's where part number three is the anchor of our faith. Now, there's no mention of David's trial ending. But what does end is his doubt and his unbelief. Because he finds delight in God even though he has not yet experienced deliverance. Why? Why? Because look at, look at verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He finds delight even though he's not experienced deliverance. Because... Let me tell you why. Because the gospel is clear in this psalm. There's the message of his covenant love in verse 5. But I have trusted your steadfast love and I have rejoiced in your salvation. There is the message of God's triumph over our enemies. And there's the message of God's transforming grace. He has dealt bountifully with me. David, David remembers the mercy of God. I have trusted in your steadfast. That word steadfast is the Hebrew word hesed. The Hebrew word that means your, your long-standing love. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. That is the steadfast love of the Lord here for David. And his faith, his faith is now being exercised like a shipwrecked sailor clinging to, to a mast. David is clinging to God. The power of his enemy, which is formidable, no doubt, does not drive David away from who his stronghold is. The character of God, the goodness of God, that who's, who he's holding on to. And so he goes on, he goes, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. David knows where his eternal destiny lies. David knows where his hope lies. David knows that all these temporal enemies are put to death. And he doesn't know it yet on the cross, but we do. Oh, we do. So once again, David entrusts himself to God. And that's where we go. Because our salvation anchors our faith in God. God's saving grace by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. For him to suffer and be that sacrifice and to pay the penalty and to reconcile us to God. And then to rise again from the dead, putting death to death. That we might experience eternal life. That is where our salvation lies. And that is where our hope lies. And that is where our anchor is. That is where our faith exists. In that person. Jesus Christ. Oh, salvation in Christ is where we anchor his face. And, and David ends and, and this way. He says, I, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Oh, yes, he has dealt bountifully with me. That's our response to our trials. That's our response to our how long, O oh Lord, is that we sing. We sing to the Lord because, because he has dealt bountifully with us. Listen, our assurance, our assurance in the midst of our anguish is, is not in the resolution of the trial. 
It's not in the resolution of our pain and suffering. Our assurance is in God's love and God's faithfulness to us, which is most clearly demonstrated in his son being sacrificed on the cross for our sins, that we would be forgiven, reconciled, and promised eternal life. That is where, that is where our assurance lies, and that is where our faith is anchored. Listen, who knows suffering? Who knows suffering better than Jesus? Who who has walked in our shoes more than Christ? Who has faced every temptation yet without sin? Who can sympathize with us more than Jesus through every trial we face and has said no to every sin that we have committed but lovingly went to the cross for our sins? Who, Who hasn't? But Christ has suffered all of that. And because and in the midst of all that, it says he deals bountifully with us. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourself. It is a gift of God. David totally reverses course. And he refutes the very charge he made earlier that God had forgotten him. He knows God has dealt bountifully with him. As we've, as we've studied through these past months, the book of Esther, one of the main themes is this, that God is most present even when he seems most absent. Right. And that is, that is what David is declaring here. God, God seems most absent, but I know, I know he is most present. And I will stand firm on that. He never forgets. God never forgets us. Even when God's hidden providences are at work in our lives and we can't see them, he has not forgotten us. And so David's response is this. It is to worship God. The band would come. David's response is to worship God. He is once again assured of God's love and God's faithfulness, even though the trial is not resolved. Guys, the band would come forward. Listen, this is a psalm. What I, let, me, let me just summarize the psalm for you. It is a psalm of honesty. It is a psalm of humility. And it is a psalm of hope. That, that's what Psalm 13 is. And let me encourage you that as, as we sing, we're going to be singing a song that, that declares the faithfulness of God. But, but you're going to go home today. And whatever weariness you, you might still experience or whatever trials you face in the coming weeks or whatever, this psalm is for you. This psalm is for you to, to get a grip of and to, to just say, no, 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 no. No, yeah, I, I feel this way, but I know this, that God is with me. Let me, let me pray. This is our pastoral prayer for Today, Psalm 34, 4 says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Heavenly Father, we, we seek you this morning, confident that you will deliver us from all our fears, confident that in every circumstance you are present, even when your providence is hidden. We look to you not just this morning, but every morning as our Lord and our Savior and our comfort and our strength. Lord, we pray, we pray this morning on behalf of, of all the families who have lost loved ones in, in war. As we come to another Memorial Day, we ask you to comfort these people, strengthen them, and provide the ultimate hope by showing them Jesus Christ. 
Thank you for their sacrifice, Lord. We pray for the many men and women today overseas who are serving that you will keep them safe. Father, we pray for the ladies in our church who who are expecting. Please watch over them and the child within. And Lord, we pray particularly for Megan Del Castillo, who's experienced some challenges this week. Please bring her baby safely to full term, healthy, Lord, and keep Megan healthy. And Lord, we pray once again for our dear friends who experience chronic trials and pain. For Mike Stogstill and Sharon Pyle and Stephen and Denise Griney and Walt Rohr and Jillian Somerville and Justin Cowan and Jane Thompson. Oh, these dear brothers and sisters, Lord, who are faithful and who, who never complain. Lord, help them, we pray. I- encourage them and comfort them and strengthen them by your grace. Sustain them, Lord. Thank you for their faithful trust in you and the joy they express even in the midst of serious trial. Oh, Lord, make this psalm, make this psalm be our psalm, Lord, that we end, we end our time of, of suffering and struggle by saying, He has dealt bountifully with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.